This morning, I want to speak about a new start, a new heart. And in the beginning of every year, we wish each one a happy new year. But in fact, if you really stop to think, there is nothing magic about a new year. Is there? It's just another opportunity. God gives us days throughout the year, the whole year through. He gives us new opportunities every day to make new decisions, to make a change in our hearts and to take new direction. So it isn't 2019 that has to be different. What has to be different? It's you and it's me. If it's going to be a blessed year, we have to take certain decisions and make certain changes in our lives to experience a blessed and a happy new year. In the course of, a normal li- of our normal life, there are times perhaps brought by circumstances and difficulties when each one of us would like to throw our hands up and say, God, I would like to start again. Or I, am I the only one that has felt that way? I think each one of us has felt that way. And many of us have left fr- are left with frustrations because we fail to make the changes and take certain decisions in our lives and take a new course. Many experience a sense of defeat when trying to dig out of their emotional pits. You get tired, or simply grown tired of conflict between worldliness and godliness, or simply because you are downcast because of illness, or challenges, or difficulties, or loss, or crisis. And then there are those who have given into temptation and have taken a serious fall that has crippled their relationship with Christ. So this morning, I can tell you that each one of these difficulties can cause our relationship with God to seem a little bit cold and a little bit stale because all these things sort of come between us and God and our relationship with God. And then there's that feeling of a need of starting over. Even those who have been doing God's will, even those who are serving Christ in doing God's work for a long time can suddenly find that the spiritual lives are less exciting and fulfilling than it was a few months ago. Am I right to the, am I speaking to the right crowd? So one can identify with sort of creeping situations into our lives or creeping crises into our lives in different fronts of our lives or areas. For example, marriage, finances, job, and even church. Or a combination, feeling that their spiritual anchors have come loose and that you are drifting without direction or without a goal. 
If you can identify with some of these situations and frustrations I have just mentioned, then you could use a new freshness and a new beginning. It's a new day, not because it's a new year, because it's a new day. God gives us these opportunities many times over and over again. And not only to experience a new start, but experience a new heart. Our main scripture of this morning comes out of Psalm 51.10, where David wrote and he said, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. He was asking God to create in him a new heart. David knew what it was like to do what God was asking him to do. But he also knew what it was like to still have everything going wrong in his life. Here David was, had been anointed as king only to later be pursued like a criminal. He had hidden himself for safety before finally taking on the opportunity as king or the responsibility as king. He had quite a bit of crisis and he had grown tired and he had grown weary. Then in a weak moment in his life, he yielded to the temptation of his sexual desire for another man's wife and finally murder to cover his failure. How low can you fall to just like David did? We're talking about King David, the great man of God. So David's moral failure is not really where the, end, where the story ends. It's in fact where the story begins. With a new start and a new heart. Remember, he wrote and he asked, God, create in me a new heart, a pure heart, and, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. David's personal failures, failures were not different from what we face today, are they? They were exactly the same situations. But in spite of that, in spite of the pit where David found himself, he did not remain there. And he pursued to become a man of the God's own heart. Why? Because he did not remain in the pit. He did not remain down. He came to his senses and he cried out to God and he pursued and he pressed through failure to a higher place with God and he renewed his spirit. In Psalm 51, which is where our scripture comes from today, it's actually a prayer of repentance where David eventually comes to his senses and he realizes, but he needs God. And when he cried, he cried out to God, and this was not based on his past. His crying out to God was based on his present with his eye 
in view of the future and the goal that he wanted to pursue, that he wanted to reach. He wanted new direction. He wanted new attitude, a new commitment to live a life free from the guilt and pain of the sin that he had committed. His spiritual anchor is very clear that it had come loose and he was drifting to the point that he came into this heavy pit of sin. Through the psalm, we read that he cried out. David didn't just come to God and say, God, I'm sorry, shed one or two tears and walked on. No, we see through Psalm 51 that there was true repentance. That was really a cry to God to renew him, to make him clean, to forgive him. And he comes and he says things like, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly, cleanse me. I acknowledge my transgression, deliver me from guilt, purge me, wash me, create me in me a clean heart, renew a steadfast spirit within me restore to me the joy of my salvation. He knew what it was to have joy of his salvation, but he had lost that and he's asking God to renew him. He didn't, he, David wasn't asking God to change him. He was asking him to make him new, to give him a new heart. And David knew his God. And he knew that it was only God that could get him out of the situation that he was in. And he knew that God would answer his prayer because he knew who his God was. Do you know who your God is? Do we know our God to such an extent that we can come before God with whatever our situation and come humbly and really confess and ask God to bring restoration to our lives? A new heart means new desires and willingness to let go of the, only, of the old ones. It means freedom from guilt. It means new direction and letting go of old patterns. It means new motives, new purpose, new attitudes, pursuing God's purpose, full purpose for our lives. A new heart comes with a high price. Why? Because you have to give up the things you are used to, the things you are comfortable with. Give up old habits, our comfort zone, our pride. Because it's these things that sometimes, or most of the times, keeps us from reaching the victory that God wants you and I to reach. No matter where we find ourselves, we need to let go of these things. Let go of these old, old habits and old um, things. The question is, are you willing to pay the price? Are you willing, am I willing to pay the price to live that life with a new heart? And we should be asking God, each one of us, for such a dramatic change that it will be evident in each one of our lives. And God is giving us today an opportunity. 
So I pray that the Holy Spirit speaks to each one of us. Some of us might not have big sin like David did. But there's other things that are considered sin. Even if you are not doing certain things that God requires of you, that is sin because that is disobedience. And anything that is disobedience is considered as sin to God. And things began changing for David that day that he cried out. The day he realized and he came out. And then he again secured his dialogue or his relationship with God and his integrity and his dignity and his security was secured once again with God because there was true, true repentance and confession from David. And once more, David stood tall because he had been restored. He had experienced God's restoration in his life. And you and I can experience the same restoration if we come to God with whatever it is that's holding us back. When competitors or athletes in sport make a mistake while on the track, all they can do is get up from where they made a mistake and carry on. Right? These athletes, these, co- these um, competitors, they have done these exercises, these sports, hundreds of times before, perfectly well as they practiced and as they compet- competed before. But because of the pressure of competition... The pressure of the moment, slip-ups happen and misjudgments take place. And in the face of this situation, it is the qualified athletes that actually take a fall. But it's the champions that get up and continue. These athletes could not go back and redo the program. Go back and start over again. But they can stand up from where they made the mistake, from where they slipped, and just carry on and be considered as champions. Like Olympic medalists, champions, you and I have a program to complete. God has given us a program to complete. And life throws all sorts of things against us that sometimes makes us slip and makes us fall. But the secret is in getting up. The moment you realize that you have slipped, the moment that you realize you have slacked, the moment you realize that you have fallen and you get up and you pursue to continue the race, to continue the program because we have to continue the program. We have a goal. So we have to get up and go on unshaken. Do we do this in our own strength? Obviously not. We must keep the cross of Jesus all the time before us, knowing what he has achieved for us on the cross of Calvary. 
And it's by that love that was demonstrated on that cross of Calvary that we get up and we carry on to pursue our race. Your circumstances are not the end, but it can be the beginning. You can experience the creation of a new heart. But to do so, we need to get out of things and get into other things. And I want to call this the out of and the into principle. If I get out of, for example, the bath, I get out of the water and I come to, dry, to a dry floor. Every time we get out of something, we have to get into something. And right now, the out must always be getting out of stuff that we don't need and get into something that's going to build us and encourage our walk with God. David cried out to God. He acknowledged, he confessed, he repented. And David is a good example of the process of restoration. So I'm going to, to mention a few things. Don't get afraid when I say I'm going to mention seven things. It's not seven points. It's seven things, and I'm going to go thoroughly through them. They will be on, um, on the screen, and you can make notes. And uh, the reference, the biblical reference is there, even if I don't make reference to all of them. Number one. Out of sin into purity. We should pursue to live a holy life for God. Are we perfect? Who's perfect here this morning? Who's perfect here this morning? Is there somebody that's perfect? No. There's nobody that's perfect. He's already got the seed of sin in him, my brother. I'm sorry. Because we have all been born with the seed of sin already. And he manipulates you. Manipulation is sin. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. And we all need to confess our sin. Not only when we come to Jesus as a first come to Jesus, but we need to confess our sin on a daily basis. If you feel that you are more advanced spiritually, then you might only need it once a week or once a month. But I think it applies once a day at least, if not more. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and he will forgive our sins. So all we have to do is acknowledge, confess, and we need to get out of sin and into purity. No matter your problem before God, we all have fallen short, but God is ready to forgive you and take you out of your shortfalls and your sin. Number two. Out of self into submission. How many times do we live a life full of self? Again, let's go back to the comfort zone, to the things that are comfortable to us. We need to give up that self, to get out of self and into submission, the submission of God's will 
We have been crucified with Christ who loved me and gave himself for me. We should seek to live a life out of self and in continuous submission to God because he loves us and he gave himself for us and he wants us to live in victory over sin. Number three, out of shame into cleansing. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. This is the promise of God. What is your shame? What are you ashamed of? What have you done in the past that it's still holding you and now and again you still feel ashamed and you still feel bound by that? You need to get out of that shame and you need to be cleansed completely by the cleansing power of God. Number four, out of ruin into relationship. There's a scripture in Revelation and it's on the screen that says, Revelation 3.20 that says, Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. And this scripture is many times or most of the times used when we are leading somebody to Christ and we're telling them, Jesus is standing at the door of your heart and he's knocking and he wants to come in. But how many times we as Christians, as believers, keep the door shut and God, he has to knock on the door to come in. We need to get out of ruin into relationship. We need to keep that door continuously open that Jesus can come in at any time into our lives. And that is because we get rid of all the stuff that holds us back. We have to get out that, that stuff and get in so that we can enjoy the relationship with Jesus. Number five, out of regret into release. Total release. Leave your regret behind and enjoy the release of God. He says, return, faithless people. I will cure you. It's a promise. He says, come, I will heal you. Return. If you've gone away, just return. I will heal you. So we need to get out of regret and enjoy the release that we have in Jesus. Number six, out of despair into celebration. You cannot celebrate if you are in despair, if you are in anguish, if you're worried about whatever it is that's holding you back. But we need to celebrate God's goodness every single day of our lives. Rejoicing, rejoicing in the Lord. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 persons who do not need to repent. And yet again as well, it's not a scripture used just for the new birth 
for when Christian, when people come to Christ. It's when we come repented in any situation at any time. We need to get rid of despair and come into celebration as we come into repentance because repentance brings freedom and freedom is equals to celebration. Celebrate God's goodness and faithfulness in our lives. Number seven, the last one. We need to get out of battle into blessing and victory. And I always say, that there is no victory without a battle. For you to have victory, you must always have a battle. You fight something. But do we remain there battling and fighting all the time? No. God wants us to battle and he wants us to get out of the battle so that we can enjoy his blessing and enjoy his victory. And he puts a choice before us every single day. He puts, uh, it puts before us saying, I am setting before you today blessing or curse. What are you going to choose? What am I going to choose? I choose blessing. I choose victory. Yes, though I battle, though I fight against the forces of the enemy and things are thrown at me, I choose to move out of that battle into victory with the Lord Jesus. Can you say amen to that? Praise God. It's our choice. It's all got to do with obedience or disobedience. And it's exciting to know that we've got the Word of God and we've got all these promises that He gives us and that we can live in these promises. A new start comes out of some things you decide to leave behind and launch into new things you desire. Letting go, in other words, what I call spiritual junk. We know that junk food is not good for you, right? And we still all eat it, or most of us anyway still eat it, but we know it's not good for us. Well, most of us has spiritual junk and we need to get rid of it. We need to say no to it. We need to get rid of it and we need to allow our hearts to be cleansed, to be cleaned. And this isn't the once-off exercise. What I'm mentioning here today, it's not something you do today and perhaps you visit this in the beginning of next year again. No, this is a continuous, continuous exercise that we've got to keep before you because God's word is a mirror for us to realize what our status is and what we need to get out of and get into. Someone once asked Billy Graham, if Christianity is valid, why is there so much evil in the world? To which he replied, With so much soap, why are there so many people dirty in the world? Christianity, like soap, must be personally applied if it is to make a difference in our lives. Have you been around some people that have not used soap for a while? Is it comfortable? Do you like it? If you like it, please come and see me after the service and we'll schedule a session of counseling because (laughs) there's something seriously wrong. 
None of us like to be around people who have not used soap for a while because there's what? There's a stench. There's a smell. Do you know what? When we don't use God's word to cleanse our lives, spiritually, eventually, there will be a stench. And there will be things that we will not like or others won't like about us. And that is the importance of having God's cleansing power in each one of our lives. A new start begins with the personal discipline of seeking God, of walking in His Word, waiting and listening for His direction. A new start comes as we learn about God's agenda, His will, and personally apply His will for our lives and His principles. Let us abandon our own agendas for God's. It's a price to pay, but it's worth it. It's worth it. Change and growth are never easy, but change and growth are good. The more you grow, the greater the change in you. Don't see yourself as you used to be, but see yourself as God sees you. And achieve, strive to achieve that. Strive to live in that way that you can see yourself as God sees us. Conclusion. For a while, David went into hiding and he wanted to hide or ignore whatever you call it, his downfall, his sin. But God used a man called Nathan to speak to him. And through the power of the Holy Spirit and the obedience of Nathan, David came to realize he needed to make right with God. And that's where Psalm 51 comes in. I encourage each one of you, each one of us, not to ignore the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And if he's bringing something to light, face it and deal with it. If God wants to use a Nathan, be it a friend, a colleague, your pastor, a family member, your leader, to speak to you and exhort you because of something in your life, don't resist, don't reject, but take counsel, repent, and get your heart right and aligned with the word of God. And then we can say, like David, we can say, like the psalmist, teach me your way, O Lord, and I will walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. When we have an undivided heart, it means our heart belongs to him. And our desire, our full desire is to lean on him and to do his will and to listen to him, no matter how difficult it is, but to really, really lean on to him. So I'm I'm inviting you to say, I desire to do your will, O God. Your law is within my heart. 
So I pray that we each, each one of us will start this new year with a new heart aligned and renewed with the word and the will of God. If that's your desire, if that's your cry this morning, if that's your prayer this morning, I want you to stand to your feet right now. And I want to share a lost scripture that is found in Colossians 1, verse 10 to 14. And I would like them to put that slide up, please. But I really feel I want to do it slightly different. Instead of me just reading it to you, I want you, I want to, I want you to read this scripture like a prayer for each one of our lives. Because it basically covers everything that has been said this morning. So I want each one of us to read the scripture that's on the screen and personalize it. So when it says us, you say I, or when it say you, you say I. You personalize the scripture and we are going to read it together. Can we do that? Let's go. And, we, and I pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, so that I may have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified me to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light." For he has rescued me from the dominion of darkness and brought me into the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom I have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And God's people said, amen, amen. And let's give him a clap offering because he offers us this free of charge. It's for us to take it upon ourselves. It's for us to appropriate ourselves of His Word and apply it to our lives. And my prayer is that each one of us will be able to take the Word of God, apply it to our lives, and cleanse our hearts, cleanse our lives, and live according to His agenda and not mine in Jesus' name. Amen. Receive the blessing. Close your eyes, please. And now may the love of God the Father and the grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with each one of us until the day of His coming. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a wonderful Sunday. Be blessed. Have a wonderful week.